Our children are being sexualized and harmed at heart in, in the very place where, you know, they should just be simply getting an education. Coming up on British Thought Leaders, Belinda Brown, author and researcher. Belinda talks about her recent investigation into sex education in schools. This is what your kids are seeing and that's what I, why I did this investigation. I want the average parent to know this is what your children are getting at school and they just don't know. She discusses the powerful influences behind what schools teach about sex. There's different elements to this, but um, if you look at these curriculums that I'm talking about, um, they are actually, they, they come directly from the United Nations and the World Health Organization, which sounds really good, but it, it's really not. I'm Lee Hall, this is British Thought Leaders. Linda Brown, welcome back. Thank you, thank you for inviting me. Uh, you published an investigation in The Conservative Woman into sex education in schools, and you concluded that what's happening to our children is uh, tantamount to grooming. So I'm hoping we can go into what you found. In um, recent years, we've heard stories of parents who, who weren't allowed to know what their children were being taught in sex education. We had Claire Page on who talked about exactly that. Mm. I mean, have you found that parents are being intentionally pushed out of the picture? Yes, I, I actually first started um, looking into this issue back in sort of 2019, 2020, when they were going to be introducing the guidance. And way back then, I found that parents were being excluded. So, for example, legally, parents are supposed to be consulted. And then I found that the, doc that the document was being downgraded to parents should be engaged, you know, engagement with parents. And... Um, and and I looked into, so for example, the Times Educational Supplement was giving a guidance for teachers and it would refer to um, parents spreading misinformation. And I, I heard a number of MPs, I think Russell Moyle described parents as a, the parents who questioned RSE as being a dangerous element. Damien Hind actually in a letter about it said, talked about parents' misinformation. And the thing is, it's actually parents who are really well informed um, and it seems to be the government who are the ones who don't actually know what's going on you know I even found uh, back then when I was doing all this research I actually found um, a, a document which was sent to the local authorities which said if you find too many parents asking about RSE contact the police really yep I actually found that I mean that was the extent to which they try to exclude parents, um, and yeah, it's, it's it's and it, and it goes on at all levels. Who so. would that push coming from the government? Would you say? I th yes, I think it was coming from the, from the government. I mean, you know, I think different people might push it for different reasons. So um, you'd have the government might be pushing it because actually it's just not practical to. Um, take into account parents' attitudes. I mean, legally they're supposed to, but it's difficult for, for schools to do that. So they might be pushing it for that reason. But then if you look at the sources of this information, which we'll probably talk a bit about later, which say like the United Nations or the World Health Organization, they will, will actually see parents as, you know, the people who cause shame. You know, they're, they're the problem. They, 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 they get in the way of, of, of children receiving this 
proper education and then at the level of um, so for example when before the guidance was issued there was a lot of research done and parents sent wrote, wrote in you know filled in forms and said what they would like to see and the, the sex education providers wrote in what they wanted to see and the guidance reflects what the sex ed providers said. It doesn't reflect what the parents said. The parents said that they wanted their children to learn about traditional marriage. I mean, that's what they said. It's completely ignored. So, yeah, it's many different levels for many different reasons. We saw last month the Education Secretary send this letter to schools saying they have no excuse now to not share the sex education material with parents. Do you think that's going to make a difference or do you think schools will push back? I think that it's going to take a lot more than that because as we saw with the issue with Claire Page, it's, it's the sex education providers who are saying no, the parents can't see the material and they're claiming that this is for copyright reasons. Actually it wasn't copyright reasons. Um, when I read the report which the new social covenant unit produced, they had copies of the letters and they said well we don't want the parents to see the material because it's just they're just they're not going to like it, you know. So that's the reason. So it, the sex ed providers will find ways, I think, of saying no. Parents can't see this material, and I think there's going to have to be something. I, I, I'm not quite sure what needs to be done to make sure that parents do see it. I think parents are going to have to really make a big fuss, um, really put their foot down. You know, we had a a recent review of sex education, the government hasn't even allowed us to see the upshot of that. The government is still practicing a great deal of secrecy and Gillian Keegan's letter is definitely not enough to, to, to change things, no. There's a big question and what your investigation largely focuses on is what are schools teaching that they don't want parents to know about? They tell children about everything, you know, they all kinds of extreme sexual practices. I mean, I, I, I studied a lot. It's a, a, the main teacher training handbook um, by Hoyle and McGinney, and it, it really covers quite an extreme range of practices um, and shocking. I mean, I was quite shocked, but I think almost just as dangerous or more dangerous is that there's this sort of underlying messages which are going through it. So, for example, the age of consent is absolutely disregarded. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're teaching children well below the age of consent all about sex, having, you know, sexual activity. But they're also, they're actually eroding the concept of the age of consent. They also erode the meaning of virginity. So there's no such thing as virginity. They say virginity is a myth. Virginity is a silly concept. So it's like, everything just becomes blurred so there's no boundary and what becomes important is giving consent and the thing is that consent can be manufactured there's, there's a, there was a book called manufacturing consent and th this is this is the really great risk everything consent is the big thing um, and of course there's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with consent absolutely not but there should also be boundaries to this it's not just about consent it's about lots of other things as well so um, you know and, and there's also of course which I didn't you know I actually in that investigation 
I didn't talk much about the trans thing because, um, for example, Poly Policy Exchange did a, a, a great report on that called Asleep at the Wheel, and it's such a huge and vitally important topic. I was like, if I get into this, I'm going to be writing, you know, 10 blogs, 20 blogs, you know. But, you know, from really young ages, they're teaching children that they can choose their gender. From really young ages, they're teaching children about masturbation. They, they are... They're sexualizing children, you know. I, I found activities in the guide where um, they're encouraging children to give each other hand massages, which, which sounds really innocent, but if you, you've got 13-year-old boys and girls giving each other hand massages, telling each other whether something feels good or not, that's eroticizing a relationship at a too young an age. It's, it's so... There's um, yeah, there, there is a lot of really quite, not quite like sort of massively inappropriate stuff being taught, and the the real shame of it is actually you could be teaching kids, you could be teaching children such wonderful things. I mean, if you look at and I'm I, I'm only learning this at my age of life. There's you know female fertility um, and. The whole, I think it's natural fertility methods. Or, you know, but what I, what I want to say is there's, you can actually teach young women to get to know their bodies in ways which are enormously fruitful and beneficial for those young women. Probably the same with boys. And I'm not just meaning the basics of periods. I'm talking about hormones and how the body works and all kinds of things. You could teach them that. You could teach, you could be teaching young people about fertility, you know, um, for example, fertility, young women's fertility significantly drops at the age of 32. You know, yes, it carries on for a while after that, but we don't teach young people how, um, you know, how, how sort of, how precious and how vulnerable fertility is. And then you end up with, with, with women at the age of 38 finding they can't get pregnant and going through the absolute trauma of, um, you know, the, sort of taking the artificial route. And we could be teaching children about building relationships. We could be teaching children about the value of not engaging in sexual activity. I mean, we could be teaching them, you know, actually it's really great. Louise Perry was good on this. Um, hold off having sex because during that time you can build an amazing relationship with this person you're interested in. If you could just manage to resist all of that, your relationship's going to come out a lot stronger and a lot better for it. So many really valuable things we, we could be teaching children um, ab about this whole area of, of um, you know, procreation, reproduction. And instead, we're focusing on this really, really bizarre sexual practices. And... I kind of end up with a feeling of what, what's up with these people that they feel the need to engage in all these bizarre things. You know, I feel like we're, we've got people who've got serious issues writing material for our kids. You know, what is it with these people that they're talking about sadomasochism and choking? I, I saw something wax play. I mean, who knows what wax play is? But, you know, all these bizarre things, these have got to be people with serious problems that are actually in the business of educating our children i think we all know teachers and you know they're great people and it's hard to kind of fathom how 
something this sinister is happening in the classrooms. Could you talk to us a bit about the third-party providers and how that all works? Yes, I mean, this, this is the thing. I mean, I think that where, when it was, when sex ed, and there, there probably are still some schools which are having their own teachers teach it, but, but what's happened is that they introduced this sex education and it wasn't just going to be, you know, a few lessons, teach them X, Y, Z. This has got to be like all the other subjects, you know, a weekly topic. But they didn't create a curriculum, not an open curriculum. So you've got this whole new topic that needs teaching um, without clear guidelines about how to teach it. And then you've got all these providers who are, some of them appear to be incredibly well-funded. I mean, Brooke is a major provider. I think they get seven million from the government. I'm not sure how much the sex education forum gets, but they've got a lot of money to build up programs, to do, to market their programs, to advertise their programs. Um, you know, I, I've been involved in a, a small project, beautiful little thing called, it's called Alive to the World, and it's about teaching children values education. Um, and you, 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 can't, you can't get into the schools because you just can't compete with these, with these big guys. They've got serious, serious funding. Um, like, the, the idea is that there isn't a curriculum, but there is a curriculum. And uh, if you go to the Sex Education Forum, you can find it. But it's never been spelt out to parents. There's this sort of guidance, but no curriculum. But if you look at all these providers, they're all teaching the same thing. They're all teaching the same thing in different ways. There really is a curriculum, but it just was not spelt out because they knew if they did, parents would absolutely object. Right. I mean, there's different elements to this, but um, if you look at these curriculums that I'm talking about, um, they are actually, they, they come directly from the United Nations and the World Health Organization, which sounds really good, but it, it's really not. Um, I was reading a report that the Safe Schools Alliance produced, which took me to these reports, and if you read them, this is actually the source. So these that the UN and the World Health Organization, their philosophy is that um, children are sexual from birth and that um, children have sexual rights to realize their sexuality. And this is a very strange thinking. And what it means is that um, providers can freely sexualize children because they're seen as already sexual. Um, and it kind of that that and 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 so if if you if you read these things, I mean, it, it, this the Safe Schools Alliance report, it's it's quite an eye opener because they are literally from the youngest ages teaching. You know, te this is where it comes from. This thing of teaching four year olds about masturbation, for example, it, it's actually, and you can see if you look at the Sex Education Forum, the curriculum that they've developed for themselves. It actually comes straight from the United Nations, UNESCO, I think it's UNESCO, UNESCO World Health Organization. And if you, I've, I've looked across a number of these providers and you can always find this, this UNESCO link. So that's, that is a really significant source of it. You know, I, I hope that we can, I hope that we can push back on it. You know, I'm, I think it's a tough one. I think parents, 
need to wake up to what's going on. I, I was quite interested. I did, did you hear about this candy kittens thing? No. Okay. There was, it, it kind of went a bit viral on Twitter. Um, a parent discovered a packet of sweets on a supermarket shelf that was advertising, it's candy kittens, and it was advertising um, a, a, a Netflix series that was for over 18s. And this candy kittens packet of sweets actually contained condom shaped sweets. And it was, yep, really. And it was in the shelf with all the other sweets. And it had links to advertisements where you saw a boy and a girl in bed with each other. And it had this links to the Netflix sex series. And, and this went viral. And within two weeks, I think, it's just been a couple of weeks, um, those sweets have been removed from the shelf. And I just thought, well, good on all these parents, but your kids are getting stuff that's much worse than this at school, you know. How are we going to get rid of that? And it's just somehow it's getting the awareness out there. This is what your kids are seeing. And that's what I, why I did this investigation. I want the average parent to know this is what your children are getting at school and they just don't know. What effects do you think this early sexualisation and the other stuff you were talking about, the transhumanism, will have on children's development? People who are pushing this, they, they have a specific agenda in mind. You know, They want the breakdown of the family. They want the breakdown of heterosexuality. They, they want the breakdown of normal relationships. Smash heteronormativity. Smashing heteronormativity. And I think that, you know... A lot of what we see happening in schools is what you might call non-contact child abuse. And they do say that child abuse causes sort of body dissociation. So kind of child abuse in itself could lead to this gender dysphoria where you don't feel your body is separate from yourself. So, you know, what they're doing, I think, will what they're teaching kids will, without a doubt, increase the number of children suffering from gender dysphoria. I mean, I think the whole phenomenon actually is, is created. You know, the evidence shows that in the course of normal life, a child with gender dysphoria, I think very, very high percentage will grow out of it by the time that they're 16, they grow out of it. Um, but what we're, what we're doing is, what schools are doing is capturing this gender dysphoria and running with it and elaborating it and exaggerating it. So, you know, we'll see a lot more gender dysphoria. We'll see a lot more children who tragically have been mutilated. I mean, this shouldn't be allowed. I mean, I think we have more age restrictions on surgery than they do in the States. But, you know, putting, on, you know, putting kids on hormones is enormously, enormously damaging. Um, and then shortly after that, um, they're going and having surgeries. You know, even, you know, you might be late teens, early 20s, you'd be legally allowed to, but you're not, you're not really fully, you know, still too young. This is all being done with a purpose. And there's, that's plenty of evidence, you know. They, and, um, and, I, and I think that they've thought about it well. And I think that unless parents really push back, um, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of damage done. Um, it's quite interesting because if you look at the movement, I mean, just look at the, you know, the trans flag. I mean, it is sort of baby colours, you know, pale pink, pale blue, rainbow. The rainbow is so child friendly. You know, this is a movement that's targeting children. And 
in a way, it's targeting children because it's people who, who can't just make their own children like, like the rest of us can. So they want to access children in a different way. And they want to access them for political purposes, for transforming society. I think there's a paedophile agenda. If you read this material, there's no doubt a paedophile agenda. Um, it's one, one of the things the Safe School Alliance report showed was how similar much of the things that you see in this UN material is, is to the um, paedophile information exchange, PI, which existed in the 70s. You know, you've got the same ideologies, just the same ideologies. So, so there's a, a lot of really, really bad stuff going on. A lot of what you're talking about comes under this queer theory, which is the Q in LGBTQ, like uh, gay rights movement. People have been saying that their movement's been hijacked by this queer theory. Are you able to explain a bit to us what it is? The idea, the basic idea is to, is the breakdown of all categories, you know, all distinctions. They don't, they don't like categories, they don't like distinctions, so they, they don't like the distinction between between male and female, or husband and wife, or parent and child. They don't like age distinctions, they don't like sex distinctions. They, they, it's kind of an attempt to erode all of those institutions that have probably been forming since humans began, you know. Um, they want to undermine heterosexuality, they want to undermine the distinction between heterosexual and homosexual. So they just want to be people to be engaging in sexual activity without paying any attention to the sex of the person with whom they're engaging in sexual activity. It's just, and they're reducing people to body parts. Everything's taught in terms of body parts. There's a whole language to it. And it's everything that we knew and felt secure and, you know, the idea that men and women love each other and create children together and get married, or maybe get married and create children together. Um, family, that family and networks of biologically related people. Um, all of that, they just, they just want to smash it. You know, any Barnes, smash heteronormativity. That's, that's what queer theory is about, absolutely eroding all of that. And... Um, and I think it, it also, when you fundamentally destroy people's identity in that way, you kind of can get power over them more easily. They become more vulnerable to ideologies and, and that sort of thing. If you erode their most basic identity, which, which is what you do when you tell a child you don't know what sex you are yet. You know, you might think you're a boy, but that's nonsense. You weren't born anything. You have to decide what sex you are. You're eroding the most absolute basic building block of identity. So you're, you're creating generations of incredibly vulnerable young people. And, and I, think, I think this is something that hasn't been thought through by parents properly, or even by teachers. I think, you know, things can sound nice on the surface, you know, it, it's about tolerance and acceptance. But what they're not thinking about is how they are eroding the, the basic building blocks of building up identity and of building relationships. And one of the things that has, has concerned me quite a lot 
is that, um, you know, is friendship. You know, I think friendship, you know, that sort of platonic agape friendship, that is something incredibly valuable and incredibly important. And I think with this whole sexual thing, what you do is you potentially sexualize every single relationship. There's no longer, you know, I grew up in an age where, you know, I suppose I went to an all-girls school which perhaps made boys seem slightly more exotic than they needed to. But it's like you've got your friendships and then there are boys and that's sort of slightly, you know, that's more to do with sort of sex or something. But now you're growing up in an environment where kids could start thinking that their best friend was a potential sexual partner, which has tragic implications for friendship. Because, you know, friend doesn't mean you can't, of course, your, your husband or, you know, is your absolute best friend in the world. But non-sexual friendships are something different and they're incredibly important and they're incredibly valuable. So that's something else that's going to be destroyed. So we're really talking about very serious levels of destruction. So we better fight back, you know, so, to hold our children, keep our children out, and, you know, have yeah. strike days or something. So, so what you can know. parents do that want, want to do that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of dream of parents saying, we're not going to send our children into school until you get rid of all these, this sex education material. You know, I'd like to see, I would, I'd like to see strike days, unless, uh, unless this type of sex education stops com completely, unless this completely stops you know, we're, we're not taking, our children aren't going to school this week or, you know, I think it needs sort of mass action. Uh, we need parents to recognise how serious this is and to all step up, you know, not just one or two parents, but we need to put our foot down. This is our kids and you're going to keep out of, you know, stop grooming our children for your own sexual predilections and perversions and ideologies, whatever, whatever the reason is. Our children are being sexualized and harmed at heart in, in the very place where, you know, they should just be simply getting an education. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's that's because I'm that sort of person. I mean, they're probably, you know, that's what I'd like to see. But I think just also knowing what's going on, talking to other parents, building up networks. You know, I think this is something that because parents are all being sent out to work so much that networks between mothers that used to be quite influential has probably been weakened. Um, but um, I think parents just have to be a lot more vocal, really. And in terms of the government, I mean, do you think they're doing enough and is it the right kind of enough? I don't think they are. I was just, um, I was actually just, today I was looking at um, uh, Claire Page's tweets and you know, the government, they don't look like they really want to, to change things. I mean, they're still talking to the people who are responsible for absolutely the worst elements of what's going into our schools. You know, I, I suspect they're sitting there trying to work out how to do it in a way that parents won't know about it. I don't know. At the moment, you know, I don't know who's pushing it. I'm guessing that it's civil servants. I'm guess, guessing that you've got a lot of really ideological young people and they've got their own ideas about what's important. They're, they're, they're very young, so they might not themselves have children and they might just 
come into it sort of with a negative view of parents. And I think they're working out how to push this stuff into schools. They've got this brave new world vision of how things should look. And I absolutely don't think the government are doing enough. Um, I haven't seen any evidence of it. Um, I think there are some wonderful people in government, you know, Miriam Cates and Nick Fletcher, they've done some great work and there are various other people who are, um, John Denning, I, they're, they're some people who are pushing back, doing great stuff, but um, I, 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 I haven't seen evidence that the government are taking this seriously. Linda Brown, thank you for joining us on British Thought Leaders. Thank you so much, Lee, for inviting me. I really enjoyed uh, um, talking to you. That's great. Thank you.